Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatum, your host. It is a bright and sunny Monday morning here in Estes Park, Colorado. I've got a little schoolhouse rock episode for you today. The election's coming up. The ballots have been mailed out. And things are rocking and rolling here in town when it comes to local politics. So, thought we'd talk with Travis Mahalik, the town administrator here in Estes Park, Colorado. You know, when I started covering politics, I really didn't know what like a town trustee was and what they did, what the scope was. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily know the nuts and bolts of local politics or even how, say, a, a new local law may either get voted on by the town council or go to uh, the citizens during an election, like we're seeing here, we've got a couple different um, ballot initiatives on the ballot this time around. We'll be getting into those more this week. It's going to be a heavy politics week here on the Colorado Switchblade. Uh, we'll be talking with another town trustee candidate that's running. We're going to be, uh, I've got some audio files that have been sent to me by the town that I requested that goes over the ballot initiatives and what exactly they are so that we are more informed on what we're voting on. I'm going to be giving an opinion on the uh, the ballot initiative that's concerning um, the newspaper of record. I've got some things to say on that. I've got some inside um, opinions because I've been in the middle of it. I've worked for the newspaper. And uh, so that should be interesting. But for today, we're going to talk with the town administrator in our own little Esses Park Schoolhouse Rock Edition. So let's just jump right into it. Hi, folks. We have a treat for you today. We have Travis Mahalik, who is the town administrator here for the town of Estes Park. And we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of talk about what the parts are of a town or city government. A lot of us, uh, we, we, we know candidates, we know people that are plugged in, but we don't necessarily know what they do. Um, so I thought it'd be a great time to have a conversation about that here in Estes Park since we have the election coming up. So, hey, Travis, how you doing? Uh, doing well today, Jason. Thanks for the invite. Always a pleasure to come in and talk about what we do as a town and provide a little bit more information about how everybody works together to accomplish the goals uh, that we really want to accomplish to serve the community. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about we have an election coming up on the 6th and we have some. Um, I'm going to forget the term again right here and now. Um, <laughs> basically a town trustees. town trustees, that's it, town trustees. We, we have uh, several town trustees that um, uh, openings, we have three of them that are, are becoming open. And um, so let's talk about that. What, what does a town trustee do? What is the scope of their job? Um, you know, kind of just a, a description of what it is they do exactly. Absolutely. So in Estes Park, we operate on a council manager form of government. So what that means is that the town board is the policy director for the town of Estes Park. As a body, so four or more of them, uh, as a body, they decide the philosophical direction of the town. They decide 
on laws, they hold the purse strings for the budget, and they basically tell us where they want the ship to go. Uh, my job as town administrator is to oversee the day-to-day -day operations of the town and use my professional background and professional skills to implement the policy direction that the town board puts in place. So basically the, the board is the embodiment of, of the voting public in Estes Park. They are representing the, the voting citizens of Estes Park and they're making decisions that they believe are in the best interest of Estes Park. I help inform those decisions. So I bring my professional background to bear on issues and topics uh, of interest to the town. And ultimately they make the policy decision uh, based on staff recommendations or sometimes not. Sometimes they consider staff recommendations. They have other values they have to consider. Staff is generally interested in looking at things from an efficiency uh, and effectiveness standpoint. The town board has other values they have to consider. So even if something may make sense administratively, I guess we can do this, it will be efficient, it will be effective, it may not be politically acceptable. Uh, it may not fall in what they consider to be a fair approach to solving a problem. It may not be an equitable approach. It may be a concern to their constituents. So ultimately nobody elects me, uh, they do elect the town board. So that the power to make policy rests with the board. Uh, so I work, yeah, go ahead, Jason. Are, are you appointed by the town board? Yes, so uh, the town ministry, the town board has four employees. They have the municipal judge, they have the town attorney, sorry, the town board has three employees. They have the municipal judge, the town attorney, and the town administrator. All the other employees in town, uh, with the exception of the town attorney's employee, report to me through the department directors. So I'm appointed by the uh, town board, and then I hire department directors to carry out the activities of the town, basically to carry out the policy will of the board. So if the board wants to see some a change, it's not that you know the mayor and the trustees are hiring a police chief. They're not hiring the utilities director. They hire me, and I'm responsible for the work of all of those individuals. So you're empowered by the mayor and the the, the board. Correct. Yeah, they they delegate the day to day operations of the town to me. So that's different than in a strong mayor or a, a commission city where the department heads will either report to the mayor or the department heads will report to a variety of commissioners. So Portland is a good example. Uh, I think it's still this way where the department heads will actually report up to very specific city commissioners. Uh, and so those positions can change based on elections, usually in an administrator form of government or a city council and city manager form of government. There's more stability in that uh, top level leadership in town other than the town administrator, because those people are reporting to someone who reports to the board. Gotcha. So who are the people that have a vote in, in the direction that the town moves? Is it just a the, um, the mayor and the board, or are there other people that also have votes? Yep, so there are seven members of the town board of trustees and, and they are the ultimate voting uh, body for the town direction. Now, they are elected by the citizens. So the citizens sit at the top of our organizational chart because they elect the town board and then the town board delegates uh, those activities to myself 
the municipal judge and the town attorney. But yeah, there are only those seven trustees voting. They do appoint other advisory boards uh, and sometimes other decision-making boards. So for example, they'll appoint the planning commission, the board of adjustment, the board of appeals. And some of those boards do in fact make decisions. Those decisions are appealable to the town board. So the, ultimately the town board is the final authority, but there are decision-making, uh, there, there can be decision-making happening at levels below the town board, but only with the uh, authority of the town board, right? So they're vesting their authority in these other bodies for a very specific reason. And ultimately those bodies still report back to the town. Gotcha. So let's, let's go kind of old school here and do a little schoolhouse rock type yeah. uh, <laughs> illustration of how something gets done in town. Um, if, if there's an, an issue that, that the people of Estes Park want to see some change where, you know, it, they're, they're passionate about it and they want to see it go through the official process of becoming a reality Take us through just kind of, you know, you know, that, that old cartoon from the 80s, um, you know, how a bill becomes a law. What's our version of that here in town? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So first it enters into the process and that could come through staff. Uh, if people are bringing staff a problem, staff can bring that to the board or it can come directly to the board. So somebody could stand up at public comment at a regular meeting and say, hey, I think we need to do, well, let's, let's just take an example that we don't do and we can follow through. Uh, I, I think we need to use electric garbage trucks. Uh, the town does not do garbage service. So we'll use this by way of illustration. I think we need to use electric garbage trucks instead of you know, the gas powered or diesel powered garbage trucks. I think they should so, be pink colored trucks too. Yes, okay. pink colored electric garbage trucks. Uh, so the board, if four members of the board think, yeah, let's explore that, that's a good idea. They uh, will turn to staff and say, staff, please go explore, you know, what it would take and whether or not we can create pink electric garbage trucks for uh, garbage delivery. So staff would take that, they would go back, we would go to the uh, department that was responsible. Again, this is a, this is a made up example, we don't have a sanitation uh, or solid waste department, but if there was, we would go to the, the solid waste department and say, okay, what needs to happen to do pink electric garbage trucks? And they would take their professional expertise. We would have hired, you know, the uh, solid waste experts and they would work through the, the costs, the benefits, the disadvantages, and they would ultimately bring back a recommendation to the town board. Uh, usually in a study session is where we start these. So we would sit down with the board. Uh, it's a public meeting. Uh, usually a study session, there's not public comment, but it's a chance for the public to listen and see where that discussion is going. And we would say, here's what we found out about pink electric garbage trucks. Um, if we were seeking any additional direction or there were any other elements that were kind of up in the air that we needed guidance on, we would ask the board at that point. Uh, and, and then we would get feedback from the board that we used to refine that recommendation and ultimately bringing it maybe to the town board for consideration as an action item, you know, make the garbage trucks uh, pink and electric. And at that point, staff will either recommend yes or no. You know, we'll recommend yes, we do this or no, we don't. The board doesn't always go with staff's recommendations, and that's fine. Uh, I always like to say nobody elected me. 
you know, we give our professional opinion. We walk through why we made that decision, but the final decision rests with the town board. So they hear our presentation, they hear public comment on whether the public thinks, yeah, we should have pink electric garbage trucks or no, we shouldn't have pink electric garbage trucks. And then they'll, they'll take a vote and uh, yes or no, right? And it takes four members of the board to make a significant policy or a process change. And so they would say, okay, yes or no, we're gonna have pink garbage trucks. Now, usually for something like that, it would probably happen through the budget process. Okay. So because there is a, there's a dollar amount involved, it could come up also through the strategic plan where a resident says during that process, hey, we are interested in the town procuring pink electric garbage trucks. And the board says, okay, staff, we're interested in you exploring the budget on that. And then we would bring back a recommendation in the budget, which the town administrator prepares with the leadership team and recommends to the board, who ultimately changes and approves what they want. We would recommend either yes or no, we include this in the budget or not. And so for budgetary items, that ends up looking like a priority list of all of these new or different things that we could do. And then there's a funding cutoff at a point where below that, we just can't afford to fund it. So there's a couple of different ways, depending on whether it's really more of a policy or a code change or a resource allocation decision. Uh, policy and code change can go to the board really at any time. The resource uh, allocation decisions go when we're either talking about the adoption of the annual budget or the amendment of the annual budget. So we do amend the budget periodically throughout the year and the board can make different or changes in resource allocation at that time as well. Okay, so there are times that an issue will go to the voters directly through an election process, a voting process. What, what, how are those issues different than say something the board would vote on and decide on? Yeah, so uh, a ballot initiative in Colorado can happen a number of ways. It can be petitioned onto the ballot. Uh, the best example of that in town was the marijuana uh, election. I believe that was in 2019. Yeah, it was where, like the first year I got into town, I think. so. Yeah, yeah. So a, a group of local residents uh, petitioned a question about allowing uh, marijuana sales in town. They're currently not allowed. Uh, they petitioned that onto the ballot. So they actually got a special election on whether or not uh, the town should allow marijuana sales. So, you know, an example of kind of direct democracy. Uh, the board can also put things on the ballot. So uh, the board did put, and I can't talk much about them because we are under fair campaign rules. Right, uh, right. The board has put three ballot initiatives on the April 5th, 2022 ballot. Uh, for the voters to vote on. So the board can also, they have the authority to move things onto the ballot. So, well. so it's at their discretion, really, if they don't, if they want to give it directly to the citizens themselves to to, to decide on, they can just make it a, 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 an election initiative. Correct. Yeah. So they, they have the ability to say if there's a decision that they want a public vote on, uh, overall, you know, speaking generally, they can refer that to the voters and say, hey, we're interested in what you think on this. Now, the cost of doing that at a regular election are pretty minimal because we have to run the election anyway. Right. If it's a county coordinated election, an election that happens in the fall at the regular you know, November election every other year, uh, we actually have to pay to get on that ballot. 
Uh, we have to bear a portion of the county cost. It's only fair. You know, you're part of the ballot. You bear some of the cost. Right. So, and then if it's a special election, we have, we run it ourselves and it's an additional cost. So we've had a number of those over the years for either a recall or the, the marijuana uh, petition. And traditionally those have run about $30,000. Wow. I was just going to ask, always, is that expensive? But yeah, that's a good chunk of change. People always ask, you know, well, man, that's expensive. Do we really? And one, you can't stop it, you know, for a whole lot of reasons. We wouldn't want to. And I always tell people that $30,000 to allow people to exercise their democratic right is, is a pretty low number. I'll agree uh, with you. Yeah. Town staff will never complain about, you know, the budget impact of putting things in front of the voters that are either petitioned by the voters or placed there by the town board. because. That's how we get feedback, and that's really the best possible way to understand, you know, the will of the people. And it's it's not perfect because not everybody votes, uh, but it's really the only, it's it's the best way to determine what the true will of the people is. The rest of it is it's it's not guesswork, but it sort of is. Yeah, You're trying to figure out where the body, you know, six thousand people plus where the, they feel about any given issue at any given time. And it's hard work. It is really difficult for the trustees. I see them agonize about it uh, almost every other week when they go into the meetings. It's not an easy job. Well, it is a democracy in action at that point. Um, so let's talk about what does, what does the job of town trustee look like? How much time is involved? You know, is it, some people think it's more of a, a part-time gig. Um, but I, I think people really don't understand like what it means day to day to be a town trustee. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, we like to say it's as much work as you make it. So there, there is a variety of hours. I will not, I will say that it is a lot of work. Yeah. Even the trustees that, you know, have regular day jobs and are running businesses and don't have necessarily all the time to engage in every little thing that comes across. It is a ton of work because there's after hours meetings, there's reading packets really every other week. You know, we put together, I'm gonna a, a close to, well, almost 52 packets a year between study session and board materials and a board packet could be 300 pages wow. with master plans to read and decisions to make. It, it is, it can be a very time-consuming job. Uh, I will say, you know, it, it's it can grow. It can, you could make it a full-time job easy. Um, some trustees do. Some trustees and mayors spend a ton of time. Uh, others are really focused on those key policy decision points and spend a little bit less. But you know, I, I between ten and twenty hours a week is not unheard of. Um, and some spend even more, and it depends on the week. So, you know, you figure an average board meeting day, we start at 4.30, and we go until 9.30 or 10, right. uh, sometimes later. And that's just the end meeting time. It's sort of like uh, classroom time. You have one-hour classroom, but you got two hours of homework. So it, it's, it is a significant time commitment. Um, I think I, I, would, I would really, you know, I want to recognize the time that the board members put in because it's not easy work and it takes a lot of time. It's a difficult job and they're not paid as full-time employees. 
how, so, how are they compensated? Are they compensated or is it more of like a, a labor of love, a passion? They are compensated. So they do receive a, um, uh, it's not a stipend. They receive a regular salary, but it is not very high at all. With the change uh, on November 23rd, 2021, the mayor will make $13,500 per year. The mayor pro tem will make $11,500 a year and trustees will make $10,000 a year. Now uh -huh. I do want to note that uh, trustees cannot change, board members cannot change their own compensation. So those updated numbers oh. are are only for newly elected board members. Okay. So they can't vote themselves a raise. Correct. They. I, I think well, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. It, it seems to have worked well for us over the years. And it, they have good conversations about, you know, there's a balancing act between, you know, recognizing that this does take a lot of time and they do want to encourage more and more people to do this. And, you know, some people have to give up business to attend board meetings. And there's a definite impact on, you know, their ability to run a business or their ability to go to work or get hours. So there's a there's a desire to balance that out with the fact that these are service positions, right? The, the yeah. board members are they're signing up to serve the community, which is why they're not you know full time employees and paid full time salaries. It, in comparison, the county commissioners are full time employees, so they they are paid a, a full time wage, and their job essentially is county commissioner, and they work with the county manager, uh, but they are full time employees, and they dedicate their full-time employment to the inner workings of the county. Gotcha. And so as far as your position goes, I kind of, and I may be totally off base on this, but you kind of seem like the, what kind of the mirrored image of the mayor, but you get stuff done. You're, you're in charge of kind of figuring out how to, to implement everything that the, the, the board and the mayor come up with. Um, so it seems like you're kind of the, the mayor, as far as the folks who get actually figure out the logistics and, and make it happen, um, whereas the mayor kind of comes up with the ideas and is interfacing with the public. And, you know, is, is that correct in, in my very basic, very abstract um, view there? I, I would say it's sort of like in the corporate world, you have a governing board and that governing board is, is the policy direction. And then you have the CEO who is responsible for carrying it out. So. It's it's more along the lines of uh, being in charge of the day-to-day -day operations of the town so that there is a, how do I put this? The policymakers don't have to worry about how things are implemented. So they you know take our input about how they can be implemented and any challenges thereof but they really stay at the policy level. Now they can come down whenever they want to the detail level as they see fit, but they delegate most of that implementation and the day-to-day -day personnel decisions, figuring out how to plow streets, uh, figuring out how to serve utility customers. They delegate that to uh, me so that they can focus on the policy work and not have to deal with you know, individual personnel actions. So. It's really kind of separating that day-to-day -day operations and implementation from the actual decision points, right, that the board is making. So, you know, the mayor is the, 
it runs the meetings, she signs the formal documents that the town board have approved, uh, and she's the, the, the head of the board, right? So she's making those, um, she's, she's carrying out those duties. And then the board as a whole is directing me and I'm working with staff to accomplish what the board wants to do as a whole. So while the, the mayor in our system doesn't have that direct, you know, she can't come in and direct somebody to do something unless there is a uh, agreement on the board and the board as a whole wants to do it. Uh, the mayor does serve an important role in leadership of the town, being the, you know, the, the head and the face of the town and making sure that the board meetings stay on track, uh, things like that. So not so much a mirrored image as, as an employee. Gotcha. Uh, you could look at this as, you know, I'm, I am the employee of the board charged with carrying out their policy direction. And I do that by hiring experts in these various areas to accomplish what the board has directed us to do. Gotcha. So for people that are hearing this podcast and are like, you know what, I want to plug into town. I want to, I want to get involved with, you know, the direction of the future. What's some of the best ways in your opinion for them to do that? Oh, absolutely. So well, one of the great ways to get involved is, is volunteering. And you can look at all the uh, volunteer options at the town by going to estes.org backslash volunteering. And it has all sorts of things from advisory board positions, which are a great way to learn more about different facets of town. So right now we're recruiting uh, family advisory board positions, parks advisory board positions, and transportation advisory board positions. Those boards interact with staff to come up with recommendations for the town. They look at what's going on in the world of transportation and parks, and they provide recommendations to the town board. They advise the town board on these particular issues. That is a great way to get a start. Uh, a lot of trustees, uh, current and former, have got their start by interacting with those types of opportunities. Uh, planning commission is always a, an interesting entry point. So I would say getting involved in some facet of the town through a volunteer lens is a great way to start building that knowledge of the inner workings of uh, the town and how the board relates to specific issues. Uh, another option uh, that's a, a solid option is the Citizens Information Academy. So we usually do that every other year. It's been uh, kind of waylaid by the pandemic. Uh, uh, so the world's a little to... crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we didn't think we could get the same value that we've had in the past with those really kind of personal in-person conversations with department directors about issues virtually. So we elected to kind of hold off on that. I'm excited to start that again because it is a great way to learn about the town, the issues that are facing us, all of the interesting things that you never really think about. You turn on the faucets and the water comes out, flip the light, the electricity comes on. So is so that, that is that restarting this year? Uh, I believe our goal is to either get it started this year uh, or next year. So I can follow up with you on that. And Kate actually puts that together, our, our public information officer. Right. Yeah. And get you a link. Um, there is more information about the Citizens Information Academy uh, at estes.org backslash Citizens Information Academy. So yeah, that, that's something interested. I would be interested in. Just going through yeah, absolutely. a better idea. All right. Well, is there is there one particular project you're working on now that you're really excited about? 
that, you know, I mean, the world has been crazy. It's been a weird couple of years. Is there something that gets you excited right now that, that you guys are working on that you are personally working on? That's a, that's a great question. There are so many things. Um, broadband is something I'm very excited about. Uh, it's and the rollout is going well. We have, a really I've heard nothing, team. nothing but just amazing uh, reports from people saying that you guys have just knocked it out of the park with that. We're, we're still on a contract we're at, and I've, I've literally written articles about that, but, um, you know, uh, yeah. So, so the broadband, is that going to continue? Is there more going on with that? Yeah. So the that is continuing. They're making good progress. It hasn't come to my house yet either. So I'm anxiously awaiting the day when it comes by, <laughs> but, uh, Real excited about that. That's a big deal for a town our size. We have a really excellent team that is really knocking it out of the park and getting that installs done, taking the extra care that, you know, our public has come to associate with our uh, power brand, um, making sure that we really are delivering on quality service, just like we have with power and water. So very excited about that. Um, I'm really excited about smart meter technology and fire mitigation in the power world. Um, it's kind of a wonky thing to be excited about, but it's a big deal in Estes Park. You know, with the Kruger Rock fire this last year, uh, it, and not to mention, you know, previous fires in places like California where electric uh, transmission infrastructure has created devastating fires. Learning how to continually improve the safety of our ability to deliver electricity in the mountains is something that's very energizing for me. And our team does an excellent job and we're making a lot of progress and we're learning uh, every day. One of our, our advanced meter uh, infrastructure coordinator was actually quoted in a Forbes article about fire prevention activities just recently. So we're, we're excited to be watching and innovating and really doing what we can as a, as a municipal utility to limit that risk uh, to our uh, residents. It's, it's a big deal. It takes a lot of work. It's not cheap, but it delivers, you know, in dry conditions and it delivers a lot of value and, and people are aware of it now, certainly with, you know, the fires in 2020 and the fire last year, everybody's in a heightened state of awareness of how, you know, the, the fire profile of Estes Park is changing. And it's one of many things that we can do to try to lower the risk even if we can't eliminate the risk living in the mountains of wildfire, that there's a lot we can do to lower it. So, well, I think that would make an amazing story in and of itself. So I'm, I'm going to have to reach back out to you uh, in a, you know, down the road because that, that, that's a very interesting topic. Absolutely. I'm actually uh, writing an article now for uh, the papers about basically fire mitigation and, working with our line superintendent, uh, power line superintendent to do so. So I, I would be happy to talk more about it. It's something that, you know, it, it helps us to get that out publicly because some of the mitigation measures are not always popular. You know, when you're trimming trees and you're encouraging people to take down danger trees, um, people like trees, especially big old trees. And it can be pretty high conflict situations. Sometimes. Yeah, but they like their houses too. I don't know, I you know. I, 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 I'm okay with taking a tree down or part of a tree if I get to, to stay in my house with my family. Yeah, and not have another, you know, evacuation like 2020 or like we had with the Kruger Rock fire. Those are high stress situations and 
you know, it's not, it, it definitely dampens that quality of life and that feeling of security. And we've seen it, you know, we see in our regular uh, biannual community survey that people's feelings of safety took a hit after 2020, rightfully so, because it's scary. Right. When, yeah. you know, we missed it by that much, it's, you know, it, it really kind of starkens the reality of living in the mountains that there, there are dangers here. That Now there's dangers everywhere, right? Unfortunately, we've seen with Louisville that being out of the mountains doesn't, necessarily protect you you know yeah, we, tragedy we, down there we, we've gotten just just so extremely lucky and you know that luck doesn't doesn't hold out forever so we've got to we've got to make plans yeah luck luck is not a plan right uh the fire chief likes to say that hope is not a plan luck is not a plan either so you know between uh, evacuation planning and doing what we can to make mitigation changes that slow the growth of fires that provide fire breaks in town, you, you can mitigate risk, but you can never eliminate risk living in the mountains. I mean, the only way to do that would be to, to clear cut any vegetation. And we all know that that's not a tenable solution for a lot of reasons. All right. Well, tell you what, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Let my listeners get to know you a little bit as a human being. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you, that you would like to before we let you go? Uh, the last item I'd probably want to call out is the comprehensive plan project is underway, and that's an extremely important document for our future as a town. So I would encourage your listeners as they see opportunities to get engaged in that to be active, because that really sets the that sets the tone for the next uh, 20, 30 years in Estes Park. And it is a big it, it's a heavy lift and it's important to have as many stakeholders engaged as possible as many residents visitors engaged in that process as we possibly can so we get the best outcome for the community as a whole all right well again thank you for taking time out of your day and uh sitting down and talk with us it's been a pleasure jason thanks for having me all right folks as always we hope you enjoyed this episode of the colorado switchblade some personal news I got coming up. Uh, I just got my major offer on my first major offer on my propagandist book with a major publisher. So I'm talking with my literary agent. I'm reaching out to some friends of mine to make a decision. Um, so that may put on hold for a moment the propagandist project that I had talked about last week um, as there's actually a major publisher now interested in it. Um, yeah, that, that's all the news I got to catch people up on just personally. All right. Well, we'll talk with you again soon. I'm Jason Van Tatenhove. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade.